It's Social Media Hustlin'. I'm your host, Andy Pondillo, and we are back for another episode. Got a lot of fun on our hands to start out 2021. And, well, I guess 2021 hasn't been too fun for a lot of people, a lot of the madness of 2020 carrying over. But that's okay, because we still have some hope on the way as this year goes. You know, we want to keep this thing positive. We want to talk about good mojos. And we want to send the best vibes for the social media industry because as crazy as it has been, we talked a lot about mental health last episode. We talked about the strain on social media managers around the country. We do start to see some bright lights once we move into Q2, Q3, and hopefully a normal Q4 of 2021. So it is never too soon to start talking about what our plans are. But before we get to talking about our plans, we'll save that for the end of the show today. An excellent program on hand. I'll be joined by Nick Rios, visual information specialist at my old spot, Space Center Houston, talking about video and social media. They go hand in hand. It's peanut butter and jelly, spaghetti meatballs. You know, you know what I'm getting at here? It's just like, you can't, you cannot do social media in 2021 oh really 2016 2017 but we'll just say 2021 you can't do social media in 2021 without video the tiktok era freaking linkedin's putting out video now you see my videos popping up there facebook we know all about it facebook live facebook premiere facebook stories instagram stories video dominates the landscape it will achieve you success uh, really, no matter what type of social media you're doing, are you doing organic? Are you doing paid? It works well in the brand awareness sector to get brand intent. It works great getting audiences to retarget with in the paid social media sector, three second, 10 second through plays, you know, getting somebody to simply watch a video for a couple seconds and then be able to retarget with a more salesy ad, much easier to do than getting some to click a still image and video easier than it ever has been before but does that make it the right video we're going to talk to nick next and he's gonna he's a filmographer he's a a veteran 20 years in this game producing music videos producing commercials working on some films movies and then at space center houston you know really knocking this thing out of the park uh by providing a lot of social media content long form videos you know working on a, a big conference right now seek um all virtual for space center houston this year one of the most versatile filmmakers in the game whether it's five seconds whether it's five hours i don't know if you want to edit something for five hours five minutes 50 minutes two hours he is the guy that can make the magic happen on video rather than just putting content out there putting the right content out there. He talks about not only the social media world, but if you're someone that is in the film, that is a video creator, how this industry changes the way you go about doing videos, how YouTube has changed the way where we're at right now. I think it's very important. If you're in school right now, you're learning digital, or whether you've been in the game for a few years, knowing a base level of video content, whether you're the creator or whether you're just someone that's approving the creation, I think it's important to know. It's a, a very useful school uh, skill in that tool shed. Um, is it's very important to break it out. 
Uh, before we get to that, we're going to hit one quick topic. And, you know, we just have to. It's a social media podcast. We can't really go, you know, 20, 30 minutes without talking about it. And obviously, it's a lot of chatter what happened at the Capitol building and President Trump and whether your political views are right wing, left wing, middle wing, any wing, bat wing, you know, I think it's important just to talk about this from a social media perspective and leave it at that. Uh, obviously, President Trump getting suspended from Twitter uh, permanently. Snapchat's followed, YouTube's followed. They're all going to follow. Social media industry is a copycat league. Uh, obviously, in a decision that I think a lot of people wanted to see before this tragedy happened. And, and what I want to explain is kind of just the legal side of social media and the ethical side where they collide, why flipping a switch sometimes on certain things isn't as easy as it seems. So obviously a lot of people wanted Trump shut down on Twitter for a lot of just, you know, very boisterous opinions to say the least over the last four years. And Jack Dorsey, obviously holds the power to do so as Twitter. We'll talk about kind of both sides here. So the, you know, there's people saying free speech, you can't shut someone down. Uh, they absolutely can shut somebody down. These are private companies. It's just like a restaurant. You know, if you deny somebody entry or a casino because you win too much, they can't deny you entry as a private business. They can't ban your account on Twitter uh, obviously what he did was a violation of the terms of services, but there could have been other ways they could have done it. Yes. What we did see immediately when Trump got banned permanent, Trump got banned permanently is there are reports of up to a 12% loss in market share for Twitter and a $5 billion loss. So a lot of people will quickly say, oh, well, that's what Twitter gets, right? Well, I say, no, it's not that easy because- $5 billion loss, I would say for a Facebook, maybe they can weather it. Facebook's the, they're a freaking space right now. They're, they're on another planet compared to other social media industries. But Twitter and really any normal company, a $5 billion loss uh, could definitely result in not one, two, but maybe hundreds of jobs lost. One thing very popular with the Twitter culture as opposed to some of the other big tech cultures is Twitter still holds a very family type atmosphere. Jack has really built, um, I don't know if I call Twitter an empire, but he's built a family over there on Twitter where people, you know, they like working there. They're proud about what they do. And he, I genuinely believe that Jack cares about his employees, cares about his business. And I've always called Twitter, you know, it's successful. It's like the, the Wendy's to McDonald's. Like, are they gonna catch up to McDonald's? Hell no, but can they be successful? Hell yes. And, you know, it's just not easy to sit there and say, you know, we're gonna pull the plug on Donald Trump and we're gonna have to get rid of hundreds of people. Uh, that's not an easy call. I know that everybody thinks it is because chaos, get rid of them. I shouldn't say everybody, but you know, and then the other side, obviously, uh, can they do that legally? Yes, they definitely can do that legally. The, the, it's this a real dilemma. And I think that there is a big misconception on the way some of this is being reported and how Twitter works. So this is what I really want to explain why the market share dips so much. 
So Twitter makes money from paid advertising. You go and post about how much you hate your sports team. You know, I'm an Astros fan. We talked about hitting trash cans or not hitting trash cans or if they're cheaters or real champions or, uh, you know, we'll hit trash cans all day and take our championships. But, you know, that kind of chatter that happens on Twitter, sending gifts, Twitter ain't making any money from that. That's not putting billions of dollars in their pockets. How Twitter makes money is through paid advertising. Paid advertising is determined based on the amount of impressions that Twitter is getting overall and what you get fed. If you pull a big figurehead like Trump off of Twitter, the impression share on Twitter will plummet. I hate, you know, hate to say it, but people go to Twitter to see what kind of crazy thing Trump is saying. We in 2016, 2017, we were thinking, you know, Twitter was going downhill, that this was a declining platform. In fact, Trump actually brought a lot of the impression share back. If you go and check out his page, you can get fed any type of ad from anyone in any jurisdiction and whatever, you know, type of interest or demographic they're hitting you with. So all Twitter cares about in their ads and how that money spends is impression share. So the profits and whatnot are very directly tied to it, sort of stock. So if they see impression share is going to dip by billions over the course of time, so does the stock. So now the next thing you ask is, well, Twitter deserved this. They were the ones that, you know, they built Trump up. They built this platform for him. Twitter Facebook, all of them are public forums. Anybody can sign up for these accounts. Anybody can go on them. Anybody can post what they want. Now, did Jack Dorsey in 2010 or whatever say, we want to make this a political platform and we want to have people screaming and yelling at each other? Heck no. We didn't know what the hell we were doing on social media 10 years ago. There was no one that knew what any of these platforms were going to be. So this didn't happen overnight, obviously. This is something that could have been evaluated by their financial team, evaluated by uh, the people at the C-level staff. And did they try to diversify some of their content? I'm sure. But there's a lot of competition out there for impression share. And Twitter, you know, when you think of Twitter, unfortunately for Twitter, you think of Trump. And that's just what it is. You know, in my opinion, Jack made the right call. I think that they had to do something about this. It definitely violated their terms of services. I do believe a lot of the political posts, uh, you know, smear, smear campaigns, the paid advertising we see in politics. I would say that is a bigger issue when it comes to marketing and advertising as a whole. Smear ads, you watch the channel... Uh, whatever, five o'clock news, smear ads will run every single break during a political uh, run. And or for senators or for your local representatives or for presidents, they're doing it. Social media does it. Radio does it. They're all doing it. So, you know, social media takes the hits all the time. Why does Zuckerberg allow political ads? I think it's more of a marketing and advertising function. And, you know, to be honest, I wouldn't mind seeing some regulation on that. Like, I'm... <laughs> I mean, you want me to tune out of your platform real quick, start running some smear ads and just flood my feed with uh, a bunch of politics. But until that happens, Facebook, Twitter, you name it, 
if they got billions of dollars on the table and they're going to make billions, Facebook's going to make record money um, upwards of, I believe, working about 80 plus billion this year dollars during a recession and a pandemic. They're not going to say no to that money. I mean, we're just going to be honest. It's not a Facebook thing. It's not a Zuckerberg thing. It's not a being the worst person in the world thing. It's a marketing thing. And every news station takes it, every radio station takes it, every newspaper takes it. They all take it. They all take the money and they're going to continue to. So if you're getting on that argument, um, I think for these platforms going forward, obviously this has raised a lot of negative attention for our industry. And it definitely saddens me to see it like that. I don't know what the right answer is. I don't try to pretend to be in Zuckerberg's shoes. I try to not pretend to be smarter uh, than Jack Dorsey because we are in unprecedented times. The way that people use platforms is really generated by the way that people take it. And, you know, maybe predicting it a little bit more, maybe being a little bit more spoke, you know, outspoken. Um, but at the end of the day, they're public platforms. And until you do something very egregious, which Trump did and got banned, it's not a good business decision for the different CEOs to take sides. But now that they see what this turned into and how awful that was, it does make me wonder from the ethical side um, going forward if they take a different approach and maybe that's the right way. Basically what I'm trying to say is I don't know if I have a full opinion on what either of them could have done. And I think they need to be transparent going forward on what their terms of service and platform is like for political figures. I think they need to have a plan in place for in four years and after of you know, what's tolerable and what's not. But at the end of the day, it's a public platform. And if any politician decided they didn't want to use Twitter or Facebook, they could go film a video of themselves and the five o'clock news will run the crazy video. So if they want to be seen and they want to create havoc, there's so many platforms for them to do it. It's tough, you know, that's all I'm gonna say it's tough. You know, I don't make excuses for anybody. Uh, I feel like Jack, you know, obviously there could have been some ways maybe he diversified uh, the way that his business was attributed before this happened. But again, I don't sit in a suitable chair. I do social media strategy and make posts and analyze the business. But with that, we are gonna turn our next attention to video and social media industry. If you know me, my background's broadcast journalism. You'll learn to get, you'll learn to know Nick right here. His background is in video expertise and he's about the latest thing down for us. So let's turn it to the main course of our program. So as promised, I got my former coworker here, Nick Rios, videographer, hey. Space Center Houston, mastermind, a little bit of everything. <laughs> He's got a fire in the background. He's burning up in Houston, Texas, and, you know, happy to have him on. There is no better person that I know that I've worked with um, that knows video, filmography, directing um, at the level he does. And he just took my social media game. Uh, to really a, a level that I don't think I ever had ever gotten to before meeting him. So happy to have him here. Happy to talk about something a little different. And you know, I hope you're hanging in there okay, Nick. It's been a, a crazy 2021 already. It, it has been on top of a crazy 2020, I mean, the whole year. But yeah, no, I'm happy to be here, man. All right, so let's make it happen. So I'm going to jump right into it. Uh, first, before we get to the hard-hitting questions, let's talk about you. You know, Space Center Houston, 
Um, you've been there for about a year and a half now, right? We worked together for about a little over a year together. So uh, how has that transition treated you into, you know, the video work that you've done prior to what you're doing now? Can you kind of just explain how it's all come about and maybe some of the things that you're working on career-wise, whether it be, you know, freelance or at Space Center right now? Yeah, well, you know, I started my career, you know, as a just basically a guerrilla filmmaker in the early 2000s, which is which means I'm going on my 20th year uh, being a filmmaker, which is insane. The thought of 20 years, like I feel really old, but, um, you know, I did that. I was freelance and, and in the trenches for the first, you know, well, I'd say about 17 years. And, um, you know, at a certain point, you get tired of freelancing. You, you get tired of chasing people down and chasing checks and, and hey, how come you haven't paid me? And, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. filmmaking is hard enough. And I kind of got tired of the running the entire business side. And I thought, well, at this point in my career, like I really want to just make content, you know, just mm -hmm. make content, just create and not hand, and, and have checks pop up in my bank account, you know, every two weeks. That's where I wanted to be at this point in my career. And, uh, you know, a job position popped up at Space Center Houston. I, I grew up a space kid, a space nut. Um, and so I thought, wow, we're going back to the moon. This would be really cool to be a part of this whole ecosystem. And um, I applied and uh, when, I, I know I'm giving you a long answer, but I applied and, you know, basically fought it out for the job. I competed against another guy and we did a head to head. They basically told us, hey, we got two guys competing for this job. You create a, a 60 second video. He's going to create a sec, 60 second video. And the best man won. Uh, the best man there will win. was. Yeah. And then we <laughs> and started talking some social, you know, right away, which, you know, leads me yeah. right into my, you know, first question for you. So, you know, I work with a lot of clients now. I definitely worked at Space Center where we did a lot of video content. That was already kind of part of their ecosystem when I came in, which made it a little bit easier for me to implement. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of companies now on social that I feel are falling behind because they're still running, you know, still images, uh, very stocky looking photos. And, you know, then we see these editors that are coming out here that can throw social media videos together on a phone, you know, and have something ready in, in 30 minutes. So I, there's this big gap right now of capabilities. And then obviously someone like yourself who's mastered it. So with the social media era for your career, for your profession, how has it changed just the outlook on your day to day? I mean, social media has opened up a lot of doors for filmmakers um, with, you know, not everybody wants to go to LA and, and be a professional feature filmmaker, you know, and the, on the other hand, a lot of people don't want to be YouTube content creators. Uh, some people will just want to create awesome, engaging content and, and survive in that ecosystem. And that's kind of what happened to me. You know, I, you know, I thought LA's just not for me. I don't want to fight it out. I don't want to beg for money to create features. That's just mm -hmm. not my thing. Um, but with social media and video, um, it's just a whole different animal being that with movie making and even music video production, you are like the video is the star. Like you are the, everybody kind of like goes to you, but in social media, you're really uh, part of a brass band. You know, you're just the trumpet in the, bra in the brass band. 
So now I have to be cognizant of, okay, what's, the, what's, uh, um, what are we doing on uh, Facebook? What are we doing on Instagram? What are we doing on Instagram stories? And now my work has to translate across all those formats. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's definitely an adjustment coming from the world of music videos and features to now. It's a whole different animal that we're still learning. I mean, social media is so mm-hmm. new. We're still learning these things. So, and it changes every day. I mean, the one thing that right. you know, we started to talk about working together towards the end of Space Center is TikTok coming on board. TikTok has changed the entire video game. Yes. Uh, they've taken a lot of the techniques that we were using on Facebook and Instagram and put that stuff on steroids. They put it under five seconds, and they're you know, they're hitting the climaxes as dirty as that sounded, they're hitting a climax <laughs> right out of the gate on these videos. And it's just this whole right. other technique. Um, something that I've fought quite a bit, um, creativity, creativity, just making up words here, is when I've worked with other video folks, a lot of times they felt like I was dumbing down their skill set for social media, where we don't have that real estate to do the grand production anymore. Um, I've argued there might be some creative ways to still do it. We've done that with Instagram uh, TV. We've done it with long form YouTube content. We've done it with short form previews that might lead into maybe a more full fledged production. But um, I definitely have seen that side of it. And I've learned how to work around it a little bit more. You and I were always able to work together pretty well. Um, But from your perspective, do you feel like it's dumbed down your video content creation to any, any real type of level? Uh, maybe, I mean, maybe a little bit. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm old. I'm still old school where, you know, I want to take my time with production. I want to make sure the lighting looks great. I want to make sure we're getting the right shots, but everything, like you said, is on steroids. Everything's moving so fast. And, you know, you have to be able to really walk that tightrope, you know, or uh, where you can still create fast, engaging on the day content and still be able to slow down and create grander uh, content on the other hand. Um, because if you don't, uh, your, your, your media will become just grand and slow and, and always behind. So you've really got, you've really got to create a, a, a mixture of both. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I, I come from that world where everything was slow and everything was big and now you get ready because somebody, you know, you have a youngster, you have a 16 year old that's coming up with a cell phone and he's creating bomb content and you, mm-hmm. you have to figure out how to deal with that. <laughs> you know, you know, it, as much as uh, we'll hate to admit this, the real kind of footprint for that type of content is Takashi 69. Like this guy is out there with a freaking iPhone, probably six or five or whenever it started. He don't right. know video editing. He don't know filmography. He's throwing in Super Nintendo graphics. But man, yeah. that style, he's a bad person. But that style that came around around that era, that's TikTok, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> he was TikTok, bro, before TikTok was like even thought of. And, you know, a lot of that's just become this catchy video. And in my opinion, um, social obviously benefits a lot from it, but it's those first three seconds. Like that's what I found more than anything when I do video marketing now is what is being shown in those first three seconds. And that becomes more important than the production that's after it. Yeah, if, if not less. 
you know, it, I, to me, I, I always think we're talking milliseconds and, you know, you, you better make sure you have some kind of hook the, within those first three seconds. You know, one of the techniques I like to use is I like to first hit them with that hook. You know, your most exciting content, your most exciting shot better come within the first three seconds. And then once you've got them hooked, then you can do a rewind back to the beginning of your story. And I've found that that works a lot. It's just boom, what's exciting, what's happening? Let's rewind back to the front of the story. And hopefully you've got them hooked. Uh, that, so they'll last the, the rest of the 30 seconds to 60 seconds on the spot. So for our social media folks listening right now, a lot of them, they're going to go into jobs, um, entry level, even associate level jobs, and they're going to walk in, they're going to be like, you do social media, cool, go to your island, go make magic happen, blah, 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 blah. Um, But what they're also going to get tasked with overnight is to create video content because their boss is likely to go to a conference and they're going to say video content is king, which is bright, but they're not a videographer and they're making video content. I had an unfair advantage being tasked in this role because I come from a broadcast journalism background, so it wasn't, you know, foreign to me, but doing it the level you do it was definitely foreign to me. You've taken it to a whole other level. So if someone has no video experience at all, they're in social media and they got to learn how to do this next week. Is there a starter pack out there for them just to get this thing rolling? Uh, There's a bunch of options out there now uh, as far as equipment goes for, you know, uh, social media managers that are trying to be basically guerrilla filmmakers now with their iPhones. Um, There's really three things I would say that you should do. Uh, when you when you're getting in this game and you're creating content the first thing you need to do is you need some kind of microphone let's just say you're shooting on the iphone and that's the only option you have right now you're going to need some kind of audio uh, some kind of wireless audio some kind of wired audio if your audio uh, sounds like crap no one's going to watch the video Mm -hmm. second thing i would say is make sure you stabilize that phone um, we've had to do a uh, live broadcast from the space center, uh, <laughs> in the plaza with different, uh, media, uh, channels across, you know, uh, across Houston and, and even, even across the country and the producers, they say, thank you so much for stabilizing, you know, the, the cell phone footage, you know? And so I would say one audio to stabilize and then three add a lighting option somewhere on that on that camera there's little rigs that you can put your phone in and you can add little uh, light cubes to them and i'd say light up your subject as best as possible and then in the meantime as you're buying yourself time uh, go on youtube and start learning the basics of of filmmaking it's and that's a big and it's that's a big thing like kids don't realize how lucky they are right now to go to freaking youtube how to make a video you know like these are things i had to learn and and go into I don't know, whatever it was, $50,000 debt at school with a broadcast journalism degree, which, you know, I'm not going to tell any kid not to go to college because jobs are a lot of times going to ask for, you know, those types of credentials, but they can learn literally three fourths of what I learned from YouTube videos if they just dig enough and really put their mind to it. I was so lucky, man. I had great mentors that taught me, you know, when I was coming up. Um, you know, that took me by the hand and said, Hey, Nick, this is what you do. They get, actually gave me real world experience. You know, uh, <clears throat> Shane Herbert, uh, he's a DP in, uh, in Los Angeles, like he took me under his wing and, and really and showed he's the guy that got yelled at by Christian Bale 
uh, on the set of Terminator. Um, yeah, that's pretty much what he's famous for. But the guy was amazing and he was really good to me and he brought me on. I tweeted him and he said, hey, come on out to L.A. and, you know, let's let, let's work. And I was like, wow, OK, cool. And, um, you know, another guy uh, local here in Houston, Mark Clark, uh, as far as grip goes, one, probably one of the greatest grips uh, to ever to ever do it here. And he, he brought me on and I had all these great mentors that said, hey, you know, we'll teach you. We'll teach you, kid. And, and, and so and then YouTube came along. I was like, wow, OK, um, you know, now kids can just go on and they can just learn this stuff uh, at their own pace. And, and it's amazing. But you still need that hands-on experience, no matter how many YouTube videos you watch, there's still gonna be that moment where you get on set or you get on the shoot and you look through the eyepiece or you look on the monitor and it looks nothing like you saw it in your head. And then at that point, you're like, hey, I gotta figure this out. And that's where you learn. You know, that's where I credit a lot of, you know, learning from you. We would do um, film sessions with our CEO, William Harris. And, you know, when he gets there on the scene, you don't want to be resetting and readjusting and changing frames and you know, changing things out. And, you know, yeah. there's so many variables when you shoot that when the person actually gets there or when he gets the actual shot, you're like, eh, 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 this could be a little better. This could be off. This isn't framed right. All of a sudden our mic isn't working. Um, right. There was a lot of just things I learned, you know, in our time together being on the set with you. And that was yeah. coming from me since done the stuff before, you know, that's not completely yeah. foreign um, for someone that hasn't. I think that that is, you know, as you said, so important. Uh, that's something I will tell, you know, anybody in social media that, yes, you have your social media job, but you're 23, you're hungry, you're looking to up your game, you're making 30k, you want to make 60k, you know, go out there and freelance and do this stuff for low money, no money for friend for small businesses. I don't know about you, but that to me helped me just learn a lot of mechanics in my career is just going out there and just doing it where there's no red tape around it and being allowed to make as many mistakes as possible to learn how to do it the right way. Yeah, you still got to, you still have to go out there and shoot free throws, you know, like, and, and I do that too. You know, I, I go out there and I practice all the time. I have buddies that are, are filmmakers and directors and they'll call me up and say, Hey, Nick, you want to come out and, you know, and, and just be on set. And, you know, I'm, most of the time they know if they get me on set, I'm going to start suggesting shots and, and I'll start sitting behind the monitor and start just mm -hmm. overlooking production and just uh, kindly suggest things. But it's really good to always somehow just get on set and get on a shoot somehow because you'll start to see little problems, the little ankle biters that pop up and then you'll start getting ahead of those. And you'll know, hey, uh, let me go ahead and get in front of the audio because I know there's going to be some noise back here. Let me go ahead and shut that down. And then you start shutting down problems before they pop up. So that, that, and that just comes with experience. But definitely, if you're doing social media during the day, you should be a freelance filmmaker by night if, you're, if you've been tasked with that role. And I don't think it's an option anymore. Like, you know, there was a time where it's kind of like those nice to have, like, it'd be, you know, right. you, re you read jobs where you do like, these are all your qualifications. These are the nice things to have. I think right. video has moved in from a nice to have section on social media to a, a top tier A requirement now. And Definitely. I can't tell anybody in this business enough. TikTok isn't even close to becoming what it's about to become. TikTok is your it's it's your instagram it is going to hit instagram levels there is no stopping it at this point um right. they went through all their legal stuff 
Oracle took over. Freaking Walmart has partnership in it, as weird as that is. But they got the backing now. Like once it takes off, TikTok becomes one of those three platforms. You know, we would be tasked with, you know, running Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's going to be Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. And your ability to do video and I'm not, you're going to hate to hear this, Nick. In a mm-hmm. perfect world, there should be both of us. In yeah. some worlds, there's just you. In some worlds, there's just me. So right. in the world where there's just me, they need to have that ability to be able to do video because they're in a hiring manager's mind of a company that has 12 people, a small agency of 20 people. They're like, can we hire two roles for one person? And that right. happens all the time in a job market in a post-COVID world. You already know it's going to be happening a lot more. So um, getting up on that is going to be really important. And that kind of leads me to my last question for you. So 2021, here we are, crazy year. COVID's coming to, I don't know, probably, I wouldn't say a conclusion, but at least a vaccine and getting people out there a little bit more in the summer. So we yeah. really see this influencer, this brand ambassador, this different world that we're in. Um, we're only going to see that grow. We just talked about TikTok. So 2021 and beyond, and not just social media, but just video in general. Where do you see that headed? What are you excited about? You know, is there anything that you're just really looking at as a new trend uh, moving forward? Uh, there's one thing that I've been kind of uh, getting into, and that is the virtual reality uh, segment. And I'm not sure exactly how mainstream it's going to become. But, you know, being that we've basically been quarantined here for the last year or so, and being able to put on a VR headset and go to basically, you know, Egypt and go look at the at the pyramids and, you know, uh, go wingsuit diving, you know, in 360. The video uh, quality isn't quite there yet, but I think the video quality is going to improve and I think the headsets are going to get smaller and more affordable. And I think once it gets to that point, I think that immersive video experience is really kind of the only what I feel it's the only kind of like it's like the last frontier for me, I think personally, I could be completely wrong, but you know, just being able to pop on a headset, be in an entirely different immersive environment, and then be able to being able to experience that in real time. Like I think that I think that's really the future. And maybe the other future would be, you know, when they take video and they kind of like minority report, when they flash the video in 3D, you know, or people are walking through the subway. That's the only other that's the only other uh, thing I can think of. But yeah, I mean, where do we go from here? I mean, basically, everyone has a 4k video camera in their pocket now. Mm-hmm. And everyone can create engaging content. It's not all going to be engaging, you know, and the, and the market's flooded, you know, the airways are flooded. But um, yeah, I really think, like I said, virtual reality is I, I think it's going to be uh, in 10 years, I think it's going to be incredible. I can't wait for that. And, you know, you show me a few of those. Uh, we went to a haunted house and, you know, scared yeah. the living crap out of people <laughs> doing that. But, uh, um, you know, the, the thing about to a VR is, you know, people see Oculus, not every, it doesn't click with everybody. But that's Mark Zuckerberg's puppy. You know, it's it everything is. gets integrated with social it's coming. So it's just yeah. more and more that um, these two frontiers continue to um, combine their efforts towards a new landscape. But, 
you know, VR, I'm gonna, you know, we need to, we'll, we'll have another discussion about that. I'm gonna have you in a few months. We're gonna talk about VR because okay. I would, that's a whole other frontier I'd love to talk about on this podcast and what we should be looking forward to on social media. Definitely. But that's the time we got. It's Nick Rios, Space Center Houston. I appreciate you coming on and, you know, we'll, we'll have to have some more of these video talks, video and social. You know, when you get into a room with us and start talking about this, hours can go by real quick. So oh, yeah, I definitely man. appreciate having your time today. No, I appreciate you inviting me, man. This was fun. Let's do it again. Great thing said right there by Nick Rios. Again, Space Center Houston, visual information specialist. Love having him on. My boy, can't wait to get back down to Houston and see him. It is definitely a new evolving video industry for social media, but video isn't that new. So if you're behind it, you know, that's, you ever, if you have a videographer on staff or if you're hiring a social media person who doubles his video, whatever you're doing, um, I, th I think it's a necessity now. We used to say it was a nice to have on social, but we're at, we're at the point where I think you have to have it. Uh, the users are just too trained up now for TikTok, Instagram, vertical. It's just too easy. Kids are popping up iPhone 11s, 12s, filming, you know, 4K productions with their hand. You know, it's just something you probably got to get on as soon as you can. I uh, want to close this thing off, kind of just my final statement, what I'm burning on right now. Um, we got a little hot talking about Twitter and Facebook. This right here, again, just kind of for the times, uh, we're still, the last podcast, we talked about what your recovery plan is for post-coronavirus. Uh, and, you know, it's looking like I'm seeing a lot of events and concerts starting to pop up June, July. Um, people thinking that summer might be a safer time once the vaccine is a lot more widespread. Cross your fingers. Let's hope. Let's pray. Normalcy would be really cool. I'd like to go do life again. But we also have to still plan for that on social media. You know, that's one thing I talked about before is having stages of how you're going to escape this era and plan your social media campaigns, whether you're a corporation, you're an influencer, you're small business, you're trying to figure out what to do. You know, right now, you know, it obviously isn't a great time for the economy, depending on what vertical you're in. It probably isn't a great time for business. And I really believe that you should be stashing your money away and you should level your social media and digital budgets to correspond with public opinion and when people feel safe. That means you're spending 10% of your budget through Q1.5 or Q1 and 2, and then you piss on your 90% of the budget through the rest of the year. I just think that's the play right now. You got We've lost enough. You know, why not go big when it reopens? In my opinion, uh, when we see, you know, potentially another stimulus check coming down, there's a lot of talks about that, getting to $1,400, ramp it up to $2,000. Um, if that happens, I do believe the economy gets stimulated to an extent. I think it gets stimulated more when things are open, when people trust. I do believe there might be a little bit of a surge uh, right away of people wanting to do things, sporting games, retail stores, you name it. I think there's going to be an interest. I do think it goes up right away and I think it levels off and it may even go down because obviously people have been hit by that recession. So... I would say, again, just build that trust up. You need to figure out whatever you're doing on social, 
whatever that is in June and July, you need to start figuring that out right now. You need to get your messages written. There's nothing holding you back from writing messaging. There's nothing holding you back from planning how to spend your money. There's nothing holding you back from developing creative. There's nothing holding you back from winning in 2021 from June to December. It's going to be tough, obviously, but as a social media specialist, if you come in hot and say, I grew business after the pandemic, man, you talk about getting a gold star. Like you talk about resume building. I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're going to get a promotion. I don't know if it means you got to get another job. I don't know if you're holding on by a thread. I don't know if you're freelancing, but if you can pull this thing off, after the coronavirus, like you got it made, you know, you should see this as a big play right now. It's a big play opportunity. I think there'll be a big market again, depending on the vertical you're in, it all plays a little bit different. Everything. I mean, everything you could think of has definitely been hurt by this pandemic, you know, everything. So start thinking about what kid, what messages can you put out to regain trust? People are going to be in a little bit of a weird mental state. They haven't been out in a while. Loose, fun, reintroduce your brand. Really important here. Don't assume everyone knows your brand unless you're McDonald's. Reintroduce your brand. Who are you? Who are you in this new world? What are you doing? What have you done for the community? Really important. People are, you know, looking for good stories right now. Who are you and what good can you do and how can you write that into one to two seconds of copy to hook someone into something entertaining? This goes beyond social media, of course, but I think you can try to figure it out if you're the right company. There's a lot to work with. Let's stay positive. Good years ahead. Nick Rios of Space Center Houston, visual information specialist. Thanks again for being on the show. We'll be back soon to talk some more social media hustling. I'm Andy Pondillo and I hope you have a good day and night.